I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. Love is a many splendid thing. Love lifts us up where we belong. All you need is love. Love is, is too weak a word for I love you. You know, I loathe you. I, I love you. No. Two Fs, yes. I love you, but you don't know what you're talking about. And welcome to the Film Lovers Podcast. What is going on? My name is Russell Dietrich. I'm one of your co-hosts. Sitting to my right, we have the lovely and the opinionated Casey Summers. I'm love. I'm opinionated, but not lovely. Ah, and off there in Chicagoland, he's currently just a picture because his technology was not agreeing with him today. We have David Ryan Anderson. What it is. So, guys, it's our first episode of Film Lovers Podcast. How, how are you guys feeling about it? I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, I love talking yeah. about film. I love talking about with you guys. I love being in Chicago away from you. So all, it's like the convergence of all my favorite things. Yeah. And we're, uh, for those of you that don't know, we're in Urbana, which is little sleepy town, two and a half hours south of Chicago. Casey and I are in the same room and we're getting things started. So Film Lovers Podcast, what is it? It's a podcast by film lovers for film lovers. Oh my gosh. Isn't that interesting? That's right. So, um, yeah. What do you guys kind of, uh, what do you guys gonna, what do you guys think the show is going to be like? I, I imagine that it will be, uh, lots of us having either overlapping opinions or extremely, um, opposing opinions and then having to figure out how to remain friends in spite of, in spite of all of it. Yeah, I think it's going to be the unraveling of our friendships. This is going to be good. It's going to end up as an epic. Like People are going to come back to the first episode, and they're going to be like, this isn't the podcast I signed up for, because they know that eventually it ends with this really dramatic, like every episode just gets more and more, uh, like psychologically you can see, yeah, unraveling I think is probably the best word for it. Yeah, we're going to end up calling it the Film Haters Podcast, because I'm cutting that it'll, it'll be nothing but hate. <laughs> so... um. <laughs> We're uh, trying to figure this thing out. We're just uh, doing our best. And uh, we're going to try out our first segment. Sweet. It's called uh, Casey's Corner. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Discuss. Yeah. <laughs> Disgust with Casey Disgust. Summers. Disgust. All right, Casey, um, you're going to start us off with a, a ludicrous question. Oh, man, you set me up. I was just going to say, what, what's, your, what's your favorite Coen Brothers movie? Oh, interesting. Softball. I haven't I, heard of that one. What's softball about? So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite, I mean, uh, I feel it's no country. Wait, wait, wait. Let's oh, imagine that. What, what would a Coen Brothers movie about softball look like? Um, it, what's the closest thing to that? I, I assume it'd be, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou seems like the closest analog. I was going darker, like a no country, like it's two guys on a softball team and then they get caught up dealing drugs and then one of them has to kill the other one. I'm imagining the, I'm imagining a Barton Fink type situation where. It yeah, is, yeah. They're in the uh, woods, but they're, they're wearing softball uniforms. Yeah. And then and by the end of the movie, it's starting to break down the fourth wall and uh, they yeah. have to play softball against Satan himself. Right. And there's lots of knee high socks. Softball. A Coen <laughs> Brothers movie. 
All right, who, who wants to go first? I'm going to go first because I feel like I have probably the, the least interesting answer to this question, which is uh, no, no Country for Old Men. No, no, no Country for Old Men is, uh, eh, I, I guess I'd say by far my favorite Coen Brothers movie. But now that I've said that, I think, I don't know. It, de- it definitely is my favorite, but I, I don't know by how much. I mean, it's arguably their best. It's probably either that or Fargo or Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Well, Casey, okay, so you have to pick one. I'm going to pick Miller's Crossing. It's a great um, neo-noir. Um, I love just the, the mood, the story. Um, I, I just love everything about that movie. I do really love, um, dang, Barton Fink in that movie. Barton Fink in Miller's Crossing? Yeah, I, he's, so, he's such a slimy, pathetic, weaselly guy. I, Wait, are you joking? When, what, uh, John, uh, Totoro. Yeah, Ligazamo. Oh, John Totoro. Not, not Ligazamo, Totoro. Uh, Termazamo. Yeah, okay, John Totoro. Yeah, he's great in that. He's so, Totoro. he is, he's so Weasley. I he's agree. so Weasley, like, you want him to, you want him to pay for everything he does, but at the same time, he's still so pathetic that by the time that he, spoiler alert, by the time that he gets his comeuppance, I still, like, it's not satisfying at all. It's just like, ah, you... Comeuppance is a very um, Cohen brother word. That's like a <laughs> Cohen brother vocab word. I th- I don't know. Like I don't think any character stands out in that movie. I think they're all great. Marsha Gay Harden. Um, oh, that's right. Gabriel Byrne, Albert yeah. Finney. They're all great in that movie. All right. So we have Casey with Miller's Crossing. David, is your your choice is going to be Barton Fink? Is that right? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no country for old. No man. country for old men. That's my extremely uncontroversial pick. Okay, you picked No Country for Old Men, but you spent you spent your time talking about Barton Fink, so we're just going to move on to my choice. Okay. I'm going to have to go with Fargo, I think. I think um, Fargo kind of opened me up to the Coen Brothers in general. as my first, you know, kind of very violent introduction. I think Frances McDermott plays a really wonderful, strong female lead mm-hmm. that isn't... Um, I don't know. There's no like tokenism in it to me, which I really value. And um, I think she's a great character. And uh, William H. Macy's performance is unraveling. I think like unraveling the is the word of the day. Yeah. Like, well, that's it co- works for his, for his character. I think yeah. that that's the Coen brothers. When you think about them, that's what a lot of their movies are about is, yeah. is some person unraveling, you know, Hudsucker proxy, Barton Fink, Fargo, a serious man. Serious man. Um, Did you like that? I forget if you like. I really like that movie. That's a good. That's a good insight, Russ. I'd never thought about that before. Nice. Thank you. They I'm, really no, are about destroying their characters. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Fargo. Um, uh, it's it's definitely not my favorite, but it it is a great film. Yeah, I've heard people describe that as a white noir, which I love that because of all the snow or all the white yeah. pe- or all the uh, white yeah, people. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is the whitest. Like one of the whitest movies you could watch, next to like, Heaven is for Real. Okay, you're gonna have to cut that out, David. <laughs> don't ben. be don't be attacking my religion on this show. <laughs> All right. Oops. All right, guys. Well, that was our first. <laughs> that was our first. I can't believe you brought Heaven is for Real into our podcast. We love we lo- we love talking about all film. Right, no, that, we don't. No, we don't. That was, I don't think that was actually. That's that's called tape. I think Kevin is real is considered videotape. So <laughs> we have to just clarify our, um, our our words. But okay, everyone, that was that was our first segment. 
Casey's Corner of Disgust. Um, Pat Disgust. And, we're still working on the titles for these there things. The, so. I like Disgust. I like Disgust because it sounds like Disgust, but I'm usually <laughs> disgusted by your, your guys' opinion. Although, Casey, when we do this in the future, you have to say best Coen Brothers movie, Disgust. And like, like that that type of format has to be. Oh, no, that's great, actually. Thanks. Yeah. I try it. Let's practice. Yeah. Best Coen Brothers. Uh, best Coen Brothers. <laughs> You're so movie. close, so close. Best Coen Brothers movie. Discuss now. Did, have you guys heard of uh, the lesser known group Coen Mothers? <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it's actually their their mom and um, her sister, and it's like their mom. Yeah, yeah, the Coen Mothers, and they kind of just talk about what it's been like raising two auteurs. So check that out. It's on anywhere you can download podcasts. All right, guys. Um, as as Coen Dave, mothers. <laughs> that's actually a pretty clever name for a podcast. As a as David, <laughs> as David eloquently um told us earlier, we have to imagine that no one who is listening to this knows us. So we're gonna try now to help um our budding audience of zero to get to know us better. So how we're gonna do that is through um our second segment. We're gonna call it "Get to Know You." Better. Nice. I don't know. Getting to know you. Getting to know everything about you. You think we can use that? Yeah, I, I think it's fair use. I'm calling that fair use. Okay. Drop it in. Getting to know you. Okay, so here's here's how we're going to do this. We're, we love, I'd say as a group of film lovers, we love top 10 lists, right? I really do. I love lists. I love ranking things. We, I love reading lists. They're so digestible. Right. We love lists. So this is going to be our first list. And we're, we're going with the, the list of lists, our favorite movies. And how, that's how we're going to introduce ourselves. Is we're going to read through our top ten. For the sake of time, though, uh, here's my idea for you guys. Okay. We'll, we'll each say our ten through six. And then um, we'll kind of do a, a rapid response to that. And then we can kind of camp out on our top fives. Sound good? Sure. Sounds great. Great. All right. Who wants to go first? How about uh, Casey? You go first. Okay. I'm a little embarrassed by my number 10, Goodwill Hunting. Very Why are you embarrassed? Choice. I don't know. It just feels pretty conventional. I think you should be more embarrassed of your top five because we're going to have to spend a good <laughs> couple minutes breaking down your, your ludicru- ludicrous inclusions in the top five. But I know. Th- I that, that's for later. 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 Should, I, should I start over? No, top ten. So ten. No, 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 no. no. Oh, go, yeah, so, so nine. Okay, Goodwill Hunting, number nine, Paris, Texas, by Vim Vendors. Mm. Oh, wow. Love that movie. Have you guys seen that? Yeah. Yes. All yeah. right. Per your recommendation, actually. Number eight, Donnie Darko. <laughs> really? Yeah. My boy uh, Jake. Jake Gyllenhaal. I love that movie. Me Did too. you? I'm, oh man, I was not prepared for this. David, let him read, and what? then you can. Sorry, sorry. sorry. I, I, I want to hear your reaction, David. Um. Mm-hmm. Number seven is my Coen Brothers choice, Miller's Crossing. Okay. Number six is Rear Window. Discuss. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Donnie Darko is in your top ten. I love that movie. I, it's just so th- this goes back it, to it, explain. Um, well, it's, I just love the movie. I'm not saying it's like one of the ten best movies ever made, but I, no, I'm just curious it's, why it's why why what is it about. Donnie Darko that re- uh, the, the that mood, resonates so well with you. The the mu- the mood setting, the music, 
um, the melancholy. Mm-hmm. David Duchovny. The mind-bending story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, no, I meant uh, Noah. Oh, the guy from ER. Noah. No, Noah. Uh, oh, I forgot he's in that. He's the teacher. He's a teacher. That's right. You got Drew Barrymore. What more do you want? Well, you have um, Jake and Maggie Gyllenhaal as brother and sister. Yeah, the the one. I think it's the only movie they made together. Yeah, I think Jake Gyllenhaal does a great job in there. Gyllenhaal. 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 Who cares? I think it's Gake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, a, the J's and the G's. It's like uh, that peanut butter. Um, do you guys it, like David? Do you not like that movie? I hate. Uh, no, no, no. I, I sorry. I don't. I don't not like that movie. I hate that movie. <laughs> You have to explain why, because you're you're at two on one on this. Because uh, I I also love Donnie Darko. You love Donnie Darko. Probably be Don, my okay. top my top thirty for sure. I, Donnie Darko. So here's the thing: when you get into when you leave the two thousands, or I'm sorry, when you leave the nineties and get into the two thousands, you're getting into this era of like independent films, like straight to DVD type stuff, or whatever. That not that not this movie wasn't straight to DVD. Straight but there DVD? Was a, <laughs> are you kidding me? This movie is really well made. This movie it is. You're you're making it sound like it's a terrible movie. I think it is. Wait, it, can, it, can, no, can, you. These people Don, like Donnie Darko. You can find it at every big lots. <laughs> My favorite. No, you, uh, there was a there was a What's glut of filmmakers it? that were able to produce films all of a sudden, but didn't. I don't think had the chops to actually pull it off. And with Donnie Darko, you had a movie where. It was all over the place in terms of like story-wise. I don't think it's a mind-bending story. I think it's just a sloppy story that's all over the place. The, yeah, you know why it's sloppy, David? Because it's about time travel. And no, when you start no, no. time there, traveling, no, you watch get something sloppy. like Primer is a, a movie about time travel that's complicated but not sloppy. I thought it was called Primer. <laughs> and anyway, Primer, I'm not, come on, Primer is boring. At least Donnie Darko is uh, like Primer is fun Primer to is watch. great. Primer anyway. is thrilling. All right. Um, I think that, that that bottom half is pretty interesting. There's a good variety, um, a good kind of mix of eras. You have some older Hollywood. You have some like thoughtful, independent films. And then you have some more. I think they're all independent films technically, but um, Good Will Hunting is probably your most like uh, popular movie of those. But all indie films. Pretty interesting. Yeah, I have an extremely populist type of list myself, so I'm not going to begrudge you for having like Goodwill Hunting and stuff on there. Rear Window is a very, I mean, Hitchcock was huge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rear Window is not really like an independent film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 a good clarification. But um, all right, David, but, how about thanks. you go? Yeah, okay, here we go. Now, now you guys can yell at me. Rah rah rah! All right, here is David's bottom five of the, the bottom top 10. feeder. <laughs> David's bottom feeder number. So 10. I was trying David's I, I, bottom. <laughs> Here, David, let me let me be your ESPN guy real quick. David's <laughs> bottom number ten. <laughs> Go ahead. So number I, 10. Uh, I I was inspired by some other. Um, David, just uh, read the list, man. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Uh, I'm, I kind of I kind of tried to break the because doing a top ten is so difficult. I try to n- break them down by category almost. Let me be your numbers, though, okay? Guys, be my I think numbers. I quit the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let me be your numbers. Number 10. So my number 10, I was thinking sometimes movies are just so great because of the atmosphere, the tone that they've got. And for me, I was thinking like like Drive, like drive is a good example of this. But I, I went with Seven by David Fincher. No, Number seven. nine. I, okay. 
for nine, I was like, what's like a really great comedy? Like, I have to have a good comedy on this list. And uh, you're, br- you're breaking the with... rules, David. We're supposed to be doing this for five through one. Come on, just read your. Read oh, your sorry, 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 sorry. Five, five. Number number nine. nine. I want a really good comedy. I thought I think Hot Fuzz is probably really stands out to me as like my favorite comedy movie. Wow. Number eight. Number eight is I had to have an anime on here, and Spirited Away by far is like it's just such a beautiful the, movie. The most cliche anime choice. Number seven. It's a. Bu- it's spirited away. It might be cliche, but it's a it's a beautiful number movie. seven. We can't critique the rest of his list because Hot Fuzz is in his top ten. Hot Fuzz number is hilarious. Seven. All right, for seven, I was like, I just need like a good effect blockbuster, and I went with. I feel bad for for Zemeckis, but Jurassic Park is mine. <laughs> and you criticized Donnie Darko. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I would. Yeah, I would say Jurassic Park is far superior to Donnie Dark. Yes, Come me on. too. I've never All right. liked Jack and then uh, next, you were too old one. for JP. I think that was kind of. Also, I read the book first. That didn't help. Oh, the Big. book was better. Big mistake. All right, and then that should be a segment. The book was better. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. Number six. For number six, this is my epic film. And I got to apologize to Star Wars because Fellowship of the Ring, it just affects me so much more. It, it's the, the cornerstone of the entire Lord of the Rings. And like, I just, it makes you fall in love with all those characters. And it, it's so magical in a way that like so few movies are. I love all right, it. David, thanks um, for sharing all those, all those um, introductions and prefaces made it your list very concise. For, for your mediocre movies. <laughs> <laughs> high five uh, We high-fived uh, for those listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay, wait, wait, wait. What, okay, so what is your biggest, what's your biggest gripe with my list? That's Casey's rapid reaction. Your list sucks. <laughs> <laughs> wait, what's your biggest gripe with my list? No, I, I love Hot Fuzz. Shaun of the Dead is better. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh man! <laughs> I've never thought Jurassic Park was a good movie. I know that everyone in your generation loves that movie, but it's true. Dave. I, I I just think it's a bad movie. Like really? poor acting. Um, when was the last time you pre- watched that? Predictable story structure. When was the last time you watched it? Oh, it's a it classic. Nineties. You we should do a rewatch. I think I think it holds up. I think you'd enjoy it. I I do also. I think it holds up. Now, Jurassic World, we could do a whole episode it's devoted. It's sentimental in all the most predictable ways. You sure not thinking of Jurassic Park 2? I'm thinking of <laughs> I haven't watched any other Jurassic Park movie because I hated the first oh one so much. Gosh. Jurassic right. World is the best Jurassic Park movie. Whoa. No, no, no. Jurassic World's, what, uh, uh, Jurassic World's a mess also, though. Yeah. Well, David, I, I, don't, um, I don't have anything negative to say. I think your list is fine. <laughs> Thanks. Do you think it's generic? You can tell me. No, I, I think I like how you um, thought about it. You kind of gave due to different genres that are important to you. So it's almost like we can deduce what genres you feel are are worthwhile. And um, no, I, I thought it was a, it had some good variety. I agree. Actually, you, I, I agree with that, too. The way you thought out the um, like your genres. I like that. That was good. You wait for my, my top five is going to blow you away. I can't wait. And let's get to that top five. After me, so. Okay. But how about I really? Quick, I have no idea what to expect for you, Russ. How about a quick break for our sponsor, <laughs> Blue Apron? This week's episode <laughs> is brought to you by nobody because we don't have sponsors yet. Um, 
yet. That's very optimistic. So there's our sponsor ad. I hate sponsor ads, by the way. I always oh, fast forward them. Yeah, they're always right in the middle of everything. All uh, right. I, I will say this, Casey. Jurassic Park is also in my top ten. <laughs> you guys. Yes. You, I quit you, the podcast. You late era Gen Xer. You can go straight to the place where the raptors are. The raptors are. Do you think it's secure? Only if they learn how to open doors. Oh, Jeff Goldblum is the worst in that movie. Listen, no, now, that Jeff Goldblum at his best, is my opinion. An insult of Jeff Goldblum is an insult of David because they are the same person. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched Independence Day Resurgence, which has to be one of the worst movies I've ever seen, hands down. Yeah. But I was like, oh, man, Jeff Goldblum's making me nostalgic for David Anderson. It was. It was great. Yeah, it was a good. It was like hanging out with me without having to. That hang out should with be me. your Halloween costume every year. Till Jeff Goldblum. Till the day you, you know he's a lounge singer now. Really? Yeah, he does uh. that like once a week. All right, here's my top ten. Who wants to do my numbers for me? We didn't I'll do, do the numbers for Casey, David, but that, that's David okay. Will do it. All right, go ahead. I'll do the numbers for you, Russ. Go ahead. Number one. Number uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll wait, read minute, my wait, number wait, one. Wait a minute. Ready? It's uh, anticlimactic. Wait a minute. <laughs> Number 10. The Dark Knight. Really? Okay. It's respectable, unlike David's number 10. <laughs> so the, the Dark Knight was... Uh, and I thought about my list kind of similar to you. Um, superhero movies. Love superhero movies. I picked my yeah. favorite one, The Dark Knight. All right. Number 9. Jurassic Park. Dinosaurs. Laura Dern. Jeff Goldblum. What more do you want? Kids running away from raptors. Raptors learning to open doors. Grandpas. Grandpas killing their grandchildren almost. It's the best. All, All right. right. Number eight. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I got to disagree with you on that one. Well, I mean, I can't, can I I can't stand that kid. Can I read my list? All right. All right. I think you're jealous of Ferris Bueller because you never had the, the guts to, to pull <laughs> off such a day. Such a day off, you know? He did it all. It was impossible how much Number he did. seven. The Fifth Element. I saw this movie when I was 10 uh, yeah. at the, the Village North on the north side of Chicago. It was a very special... It was like a midnight showing, I think, too. And just, uh, you know, when you're a kid and that... Uh, what, what's her name? Uh, Lilu. Yeah, Mia Jovovich. Lilu Mia Dallas Jovovich. Multipass. You know? I had the hots for her all through the night. She was beautiful. And then um, I think the thing that really. No, got... see, what really stood out to me was Chris Tucker. See, that was like. That oh, was yeah. Ruby, right da- Ruby, uh, Ruby Ray. Ruby Rose. Yeah, but Ruby honestly. Rod. Ruby Rod. I keep watching that movie. I saw the 20th anniversary. Um, they did like a remaster and it, it's it still holds up. I think it's amazing. Oh, it's great. No, I, I love it. So Element. the fifth element was kind of my. Um, like space epic um i did that over star wars just because i don't know i did disney's kind of killing Star Wars for me right now but mm. um and then i'm sorry where are we on right now uh six okay number six terry gilliams brazil okay yeah wow. i can get behind choice. that one too here uh i'm a huge dystopian fan i love dystopias um and i think that's the best one. Better than Divergent. <laughs> it's close. I'm gonna be the, honest. The Maze Runner. Because uh, what's that girl's name? Uh, not Haley Stanfield. Uh, oh my gosh, what's her name? I have no idea. The girl. Shailene Woodley. Shay. Yeah. Shay. 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 
And uh, Miles Teller, David's favorite young actor. David's really, favorite 30 under 30. I, me- I mentioned to Russ the other day that I really don't like Miles Teller. I like him in Whiplash because they're just beating up on him the whole time. The cool thing about Brazil, too, is there's like three different edits to that movie. And I think I, I, I kind of miss that era of production companies ruining movies and then us getting <laughs> director cuts, you know, like Blade Runner, Brazil. Um, there's a couple others. So, yeah, that's my... 10 through 6. All right, guys. That was our, our bottom five. Now let's move to our top five. So we'll just keep the um, order going. Casey, do you mind starting out for us? Sure. But I think we have to talk about an issue with my top five. No, no. We'll, we'll get to Let us bring up the issue. Number five. I'm bringing the numbers for you now. Okay. Number five. Star Wars excluding episodes one through three. So episodes four through six, seven. Yeah, yeah, I see a Rogue big problem one. with this list already. Rogue One. <laughs> okay, so just for the for our podcast listeners, Casey's number five is actually <laughs> entire franchise. Eight, uh, eight <laughs> minus five movies. Eight minus three, eight so minus five two. movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, should I just pick one? I could just say Empire Strikes Back. I think you should. Okay, Empire Strikes Back. Why? Why Empire? Um, I didn't mean that so uh, antagonistic. Like Terry Gross. Uh, Why? (laughs) It's hard not to pick the original series. A New Hope and Return of the Jedi both have their flaws. Um, uh, Unlike Empire, which has no flaws. Flawless. (laughs) Well, I don't know if it's flawless, but A New Hope is trying to set up a new story. Um Luke Skywalker, what's his name? Mark Hamill doesn't know how to act yet in episode <laughs> four. Um, so it's just it's just a great story. It's pretty melancholy. There's a lot going on emotionally. Return of the Jedi has a lot of flaws. It does. Okay. The Ewoks being a big one. So we convinced you to stop these shenanigans and just pick one. No, I can't do that for the other ones. Okay. Number number, f- number four. The usual suspects. Oh, I knew Still? it. I love that movie, David. I, you're okay. Wrong. Okay. Now I I know I didn't want to talk about this, but since you brought up Usual Suspects, has that has the has um, colored current has the current allegations against Kevin Spacey? Because I was thinking about that with American Beauty, right? Like that's that that movie changed my life when I saw that as a ten year old kid. Like, um. So how how has it impacted you at all? No, the the allegations don't affect the work at all for me. Um, I mean, like, I'll I'll watch a Roman Polanski movie or Tom Cruise movie or Mel Gibson. I see the work as separate from their character. Now, um, going forward, like, should there um, should people hire them? Like, those are different questions. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, playing their Blu-ray doesn't give them money unless they're tracking your Blu-ray player. which you know the the government might not might be doing. That's interesting. Um, I don't know. I I I think it's it's been hard for me to. I I was gonna watch American Beauty, and I, I've just been like I don't know if I wanna. What about you, David? Is, is it affecting you at all? I don't know because I think that Tom Cruise is supporting and also being propped up by a horrible horrible organization. But yeah. I still 
I, I really like the kind of movies that he's making. Like I like um, Edge of Tomorrow. I loved Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, no, I and I, a part of me feels like it's wrong for me to do that. But like also there's more people. Like it's not just Tom Cruise in that movie. Like it, it wasn't mm-hmm. the Tom Cruise movie that he made or something. Like it's it's an entire collaboration that he happens to be like the the face of. But I don't know. Usual Suspects is number four. So I want to hear, David, what are your objections? Or is that too big of a can of worms? Okay, my biggest, I'll keep it short. My biggest objection to Usual Suspects is everybody, whenever anybody talks about it, they're always like, that twist ending, though, so great. I th- Spoiler alert. That's not, that's not why I love it. I mean, it's one of the reasons, but I have a lot of other reasons. That's fine. I, for one thing, I, I don't care about any of those characters. I don't think any of them are interesting. That's me personally. Uh, but also the, it's one of those things that's like, I feel like the twist ending ruins anything good about the movie though, because the movie is still, it's all, it's almost like it was all a dream or something like that being the twist, like finding out that the entire movie was a fabrication and then finding out that the way it was, I, so like the justification for being a fabrication is like, look at how he designed the story based on his surroundings or something. But I, it just feels so empty. Like, oh, he got a name from a coffee cup. He said that the guy was a whale because he saw a picture of a, some huge person or whatever. He threw a detail about like the Boy Scouts or something. Like, I just, it feels like I don't, it, it doesn't mean anything. We need to like have a sub segment to the show of, of David's hipster moments. This is such a hipster critique. No, it's not. Well, it's all it's all very subjective. It is. That's I'm fine um, with that. Cynical. I didn't care. Yeah, it, it is. I didn't care. I didn't care about the characters. I th- I mean, I think that's part of the brilliance of it is like that he he used the surroundings in the office to to tell the story. But not not in not in good ways though. Not in ways that meant anything. Think about it though. Like, did you see it in a like? Did you see it on ruined or was this the twist ruined for you before you saw it? Uh, honestly, I don't remember. Because I, I think the movie hinges on that. Like, you have to imagine Casey at the theater, going on this ride, not knowing what he was getting into. No, for me, it's not just about the twist. I saw it again a year ago, and just stylistically, as a, um, if you can't tell already, I really like the noir genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as like a film noir, a, a neo noir, um, the way that lighting and framing and shadow and darkness is used is is pretty amazing so like just stylistically alone i i, I just love that movie without right. without even considering the twist all right let's move, move on forward to my list number three do the right thing okay yeah you're gonna argue with that one david no i i really like to I dare you <laughs> dare you there's there's no winning that argument <laughs> <laughs> i love i love do the right thing i saw that uh junior year of high school in a creative writing class it's truly a masterpiece on so many yeah. levels his best movie yeah i don't know i really like inside man i think you're gonna say oh, i don't know i really like Chirac. <laughs> i didn't see it all right, I'm going to power through numbers two and one, and then exp- I have to explain them. Obviously. Okay, okay. Number two and number one. Number two is the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and number one is Godfather one and two. So I, I conceded your point with Star Wars, um, but I can't do that with Lord of the Rings and Godfather one and two because I think they're, they're like one movie. They're like one story. Um, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, they were filmed that way. They were... They were filmed consecutively. Yeah, I'll give you. I'll give you Lord of the once. Rings. I, um, yeah, it's like um, it's like Kill Bill. Like Tarantino considers that one long movie that needed to be divided. Yeah, yeah, and it was just too long to make one movie. 
And then um, the Godfather's part one, the Godfather part one and two, I think it's similar. They were, um, it's the story of one family and one man. And you have a clear like continuity between the first movie and the second movie, a begin, a clear beginning and a clear end. The Godfather three is a whole nother thing. It was made way later. It's a discrete story, but there's just a lot of connection and continuity between Godfathers one and two. I think they're one story. I, mm, I, that's fine. But I, I feel that the reason I'd give you Lord of the Rings is specifically because they were filmed as one production. But Godfather one and two, there was no, there was no expectation for the that larger story when they set out. So I'm a little bit. I understand what you're saying though. Like Godfather two is like it's the logical continuity. It's the narrative continuity of one. Yeah, it's it's a well done sequel, but I, I I have to agree with David. I think because of three's existence, it's hard to, um, and like HBO did that. They they did that re edit where they um, they re edit the movie to be chronological. So you start with De Niro and then you move. Through. Oh, really? Something like that. Yeah. And so that that argues in favor of what I'm in saying. favor of you. Yeah, but I still think um, Francis Ford Coppola bless his soul he he kind of ruined it for you with part three no but that's that's why i'm not even bringing up part three i think you have to it has to be in your top it has to be your number one movie if you're gonna put one and two so so just for the record we're saying casey's number one favorite movie is the godfather part three interesting choice casey if i have to pick one i'll pick part two but i i just refuse to to divide those movies yeah i think part two i would say is the number one sequel of all time yeah, okay, yeah, no, I, I think so. Ooh, should we do, should we do that, that list real quick? Our favorite sequels? No, that could be I really sad. like Logan though. Oh, that's a great sequel. What about um, Lost World? What? No, Jurassic <laughs> Park Two. It holds up. It holds up. <laughs> it does not. It didn't hold up when it came out. Come on, he's he's like running. Wait, no, I forget. Which is the one where he's running around the city? The T Rex. That's, that's number two. I don't know. After one, I didn't want to watch any more Jurassic Park movies. See. Yeah, Jurassic Park Two. Like the third act ends, and then they're like. Hey, you guys, we threw in another movie for you right here. And it's like Jurassic Park in New York or, or L.A. or whatever it was. Meet the Fockers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, should, I, that was a, that was, should I do my top? It wasn't bad. You know what I think's going to take the crown? Daddy's Home too. Honestly, I think that that seems like perfect casting. I'll say that. Don't do it, Casey. Casey's trying to eat Kit Kats. <laughs> He's so desperate. Just eat it. It's, we'll just edit out your... Just bring down the volume on this. All right, All right. David. You ready? I, uh, yeah, here's here's David Anderson's top five. Wait, let me, let me do it. Movies of all time. Could I do it for Sorry, you? Sorry, yeah, yeah. Intro me, intro me. David Anderson's top five all-time movies. Number five. <laughs> Thanks. Number five is No Country for Old Men. It is my favorite Coen Brothers movie, and it's also one of my favorite movies in general. Uh, it's a great noir western, however you want to define it. Uh, that's that's the category I'm putting it in. Okay. Wait, I have you turned off right now. <laughs> you turned off, Casey. Eat your, <laughs> eat your Kit Kat. You don't get to talk while you eat. <laughs> Casey said that was a great choice, David. Wait, talk with chocolate in your mouth. List. Let's hear that real quick. That's a great choice, David. Mm, Kit Kat. No, nope. all right. Number four. I don't think either of us are going to have anything bad to say about that movie. Masterpiece. Hashtag masterpiece. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I, I think. Number four. All right. 
Number four. Um, this category is called 90s movies because 90s movies had a style to them. No, no. And when I say 90s movies, what I mean, I know Casey's shaking his head. He is. You can see me. When I, when I see him. When, when I say 90s movie, I'm talking about this particular style of like a Spielberg-y, um, uh, Scorsese-y type of movie. Oh, I thought you were going to... spielberg Scorsese-y? It's two totally <laughs> different kinds of filmmakers. You know, you Zemeckis-y. Know the... No, no, because they've got... This... It's not completely different, though, because what they were good at is making very David. really tight, self-contained movies that were... They were so good at the entire craft script. From David, script this, the suffix is I A N, so it's Spielbergian, <laughs> Spielbergian, Zemeckisian. Now, when you said '90s movies, I was hoping you were going more like the Mallrats, Ten Things I Hate About You, oh, Tommy no, Boy no, no. route of like. Even that. those are well, the movie, same. I, just the whole '90s they, they, thing. I feel like they all use the same camera and film stock because they all. No, look no, no. Yeah, no. I, I totally similar. agree with Russ there. Yeah, there's definitely an aesthetic going on. Should we do uh, our, no, so our my, what if I'm, real quick we did our ten favorite moments from top ten things I hate about you? <laughs> I, I hated that movie. Did you guys like none. that movie? I don't like that movie. I found ten reasons to like it. It's it's Shakespeare. Did you not catch that? That's the one reason I like <laughs> it's taming that's of the, the shrew. Like that's the only that that's the only thing people say when people when they're confronted about that movie. I no, mean, number four. It's on hey, this, can I, wait, can it's I tell you my it's I'm on doing the, my top five? Wait, but ten things I hate about you is on the I'm same sorry, level. David. It's on the same level to me as Oh Brother Rata, which is again, I don't know if you know this. It's a Shakespeare movie. It's not No, it's, uh, no, not. it's not. The it's Odyssey Homer. is not Shakespeare. Yeah, no, it's Shakespeare Homer. wrote uh the Homer, I thought. <laughs> number four. This is still my number I haven't even said my number four yet. Number four. I only four. prefaced it. Say it. My number four is Goodfellas. David, are you kidding me? My number what? four is Goodfellas. Hey, oh, hey, oh. All right. All right. Should I take over? No. <laughs> Let me tell the rest of my list. Number three. My number three is my superhero movie. And it is not The Dark Knight. It's not Logan. It Iron is The Man. Incredibles. It's Superman 2. It's The Incredibles. The Incredibles. I love The Incredibles so much. It is such a it's – so, it's full of childlike wonder – and whimsy but it's also like a very it's full of adult fears and concerns and stuff like it it works on so many levels and it's beautifully animated and hilarious and it's just everything you want out of a movie i think there's only one word to describe it incredible incredible sorry i said the punchline number three you guys shouldn't have said incredible after that joke. You should have just let him leave it at there's only yeah one i should have left it hanging like yeah. the there's only all right there's only one word to describe that movie. <laughs> Pretty number good. Two. Wait, we're on. I thought we were on three. No, that was my number three. All right, quit saying my numbers. Number two. Number two is my foreign film category. Oh, oh. <laughs> very, very uh very western movie. Am I and I love this movie so much. And I was really torn actually, because there's a lot of good foreign films, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> it's just the, the whole it's the very... whole other uh side of uh, everywhere else but America. There's everywhere a couple, else. There's a couple. But the there's one usually, that really stick- at, at the very least, there's usually five good foreign films every <laughs> well, year. Well, my short list has two or three more. No. Um number no, my number two. two is my number two is downfall. Downfall is a German film about Hitler. If you've seen the memes, the Hitler screaming at people. Hey, that's pretty offensive that you don't think that we know what Downfall is. 
I'm explaining to the. I don't know who our audience is. This is a film lovers podcast, David. We know. All right, fine. Okay, I wasn't necessarily explaining to you. I was explaining in general. I don't know if people know that movie very well. Well, go ahead then. I'm not familiar with that one. What's Downfall about? Downfall. It's a German film about Hitler. Um, It's where if you've seen the memes of uh, Hitler yelling at all of his generals or whatever, that's the movie it comes from. Nine, 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 nine. It, but it's great. It's a human. It's the most human portrayal of Hitler, which isn't to say that it makes him more sympathetic. I think in a way it makes him more terrifying. But also, like, it, it's it's almost like watching a horror movie because you're watching the destruction of an entire nation's, like, worldview. Like, it crumbles around them. It's so intense to watch. I love it so much. Yeah. Good choice. Number That's, one. My number one movie, this is, I think... All the positives that I've had on this list so far, this movie takes all of them and rolls them all into one. Inglorious Bastards. This is a this is a mega. I hate that movie. This is a mega movie, you guys. This movie is Children of Men. That's my top movie of all time. <laughs> you guys don't like Children of Men? I like it. It's a good movie. Good I, I think we're both going to have kind of anticlimactic number one choices because it, it's just it's a little niche is all. Casey what, like went with The Godfather, you know, like a, a cinematic masterpiece. Yeah, Children of Men is a good Children of Men is a good number seven. Children of Men is a good number one, I think. Children of Men ain't breaking into to many film critics top 50s. You know what I mean? It's not. What? A, what are you talking about? Children of Men has been on many top like of like top movies of the it's, decade it's, list. It's in the bottom fifty. It's not. No, it's not. Children of Men is regularly highly ranked in my. I'd rather watch. Experience. I'd rather watch Birdman. Duh. Not even the same director. Wait, no, I thought it was. No, no, it's not. Oh, Alfonso that's Cuaron, in, in in the and Quran. I'd rather watch Harry Potter three. I'm not, if I'm gonna watch a Quran movie, it's definitely gonna be Harry Potter three. <laughs> Wait, did he direct Harry Potter? 3? He sure he did. did. Yeah, it's the only he, good like, Harry Potter movie. He he had his moment, you know, and like I think it was after Children of Men, he kind of got like popular, and, and you know that's what happens, right? You do one good movie, and then they try to get you in the franchises, and it, it's it's actually a really good, it's a pretty good movie, but it's it's a Harry Potter movie, but he there's some of his like. Um, Iconic. It's got, his, it's got his style. All There's over. a couple iconic handheld moments that he's kind of famous for. Um, yep. it's, it's funny. Okay, so you realize through your list, you just communicated to the whole world, David, that Jurassic Park is the best Steven Spielberg movie. Uh, I well, here's the thing. These are my these. When I say top movies, I'm not necessarily saying that these are the top the ten best made movies of all time. These are my top ten favorite movies. Okay, so this, you're saying so Jurassic Park is your favorite Spielberg movie? Jurassic Park is probably my favorite Spielberg movie. I I mean I would definitely say that there are movies of his that I think are probably better pieces of art than that one. But Jurassic Park I just enjoy so thoroughly. Also, like the way you guys are approaching it, you're ranking genres. That's true. Which um, I don't know. Like I, there are certain genres I love, but this particular movie in that genre stands out. All right. Um, let's like move I on would, to let's yeah. move on to me now. Is that okay? Or do you got more to say, David? Let's do it. No, no, no. That's fine. The the only the only movie on your list I didn't like is Jurassic Park. The rest of them are good movies. I don't know if The Incredibles is like. Casey Casey's a cartoon hater, so he 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 can't he can't talk. I do like I, I like Hot Fuzz. I like Children of Men. Good yeah, job. I did notice there were no cartoons on your list. 
Oh, you wait, people. Cart- I had two. Cartoons are coming. All right, Russ's number five. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's have Casey do it. Yeah, yeah, Casey do it. Number five. <laughs> Can you say, like, Russ's top five of all time, number five? Russ's top five of all time, number five. <laughs> the Shining, also known as The Shinin, if you're a Simpsons fan. Um, well, that was my top Kubrick movie. Yeah, Stanley. I love Stanley Kubrick. It's really hard to rank his movies, to be honest, because they're they're all wonderful. But I think my, I saw this movie when I was way too young. My mom like was really into horror movies when we were younger, and she showed me yeah. this when I was a kid. And um, I think uh, honestly, that hallway of blood just like and the and the two twin girls just never really left me. And then. Um, I got to visit the hotel that this movie was based on in uh, Estes Park, the Stanley Hotel. And um, I don't know. I, I think it, it's just uh, I think it's Kubrick's most like palatable film from a like storytelling standpoint. It's the yeah, least. Yeah. More than Spartacus. I actually I, I think so. I've never finished Spartacus. Um, I start with Kubrick for me. I start with Lolita personally. Um, I, we, and we oh, get, no. The end, of Sparta, the end of Spartacus actually like makes me tear up. The I am Spartacus. That part. when they all start saying I'm Spartacus, it's it's so the the performances are so subtle in it, and it yeah yeah it well really gets to this me. is backed up I think by the box set, but for me personally, I I I still think Kubrick was being controlled a little too much by the production company. So when I'm thinking about like Kubrick films, I usually don't include those early ones, but I know Casey doesn't agree with that. But um, oh no, I definitely include Spartacus. No, I'm I'm just saying what I do. And the master collection of Stanley Kubrick does not include anything pre Lolita. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. I, I get so Spart- I, I get excluding Spartacus, but like some of the earlier films are good. I need to see those. So I, I want to see The Killing. And uh, that's the only early one I've seen. And um, there's another one. Anyway, The Shining. No, The Shining's right. There's some number I mean, that, four. All right, David, can you quit talking for a sec, please? I, t- I stopped. I stopped. <laughs> Do it again. Number four. Goodfellas. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm a quarter Sicilian, a quarter Italian, quarter Polish. I got the mafia in my blood. I love, 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 love mobster movies. Mm-hmm. Goodfellas, I think. I like Goodfellas better. Just I, I know Godfather is like the masterpiece, but I just think I like Goodfellas Edge a little bit more. And yeah. um, I like how Scorsese just kind of ends those movies. It's just like, well, it, the story's kind of over. It that's it. Yeah. It's just tragedy. Like with I don't know if you ever watched Casino. It's like this three-hour nightmare, and then it just ends. It's like, oh, okay, uh, yeah. So Goodfellas, I think yeah. um, Ray Liotta's performance. There's some. I think uh, the cinematography in that movie impacted a lot of the directors that I like nowadays, like PT Anderson, Wes Anderson, um, that kind of Anderson, that famous tracking shot into the nightclub that kind of starts the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just think it's masterful. So that's my number four. Number three. All right. This is nostalgia city. Um, I've watched this movie. I should have said this, uh, I guess earlier, actually, I think my number one criteria and I, I'd actually be curious for you guys to answer this too, what your number one criteria is. My number one criteria for my top 10 list is rewatchability. So if a movie is on TV or I put it on, 
I'm most likely going to finish watching it. So like a movie needs to be rewatchable for me to put it on this list. So all 10 of my movies, I would watch any of these movies at any time, um, at any point in the movie. And my number three then, you wanted to guess, David? Never ending story. No, didn't make the list. Uh, Back to the Future, close. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We had the never ending story and Back to the Future dubbed on VHS tapes. Nice. Do you guys remember that? You could like record, you could like get your camcorder and record tapes of movies that you get from the like Blockbuster or whatever. Oh, okay. I guess that's considered pirating nowadays, but um, yeah, yeah. It was kind of, yeah, we used to do that kind of stuff. It was a little like, oh, oh, shucks, you know, uh, just just doing a little pirating. Gee whiz. (laughs) You're so into quality. I'm surprised you did that. I mean, I was like six. I wasn't into quality. I was a child. I was a kid. Um, Back to the future. No, I really struggle with putting Back to the Future on my list. That's why I felt bad for Zemeckis. I left him off. So you're like, I'm going to put on The Incredibles and Jurassic Park. Yeah, I think um, I think Back to the Future is like the quintessential like 80s adventure movie. Kind of in the vein of like, I know they're different, but like Indiana Jones. Um, you know, kind of the stuff Spielberg was doing. Like that whole like Lucas, yeah. Spielberg, Zemeckis kind of partnership Almost. they had. This sounds a lot like my sort of 90s catch-all cat. I mean, even though this was in the 90s, but it's it's that feel. Yeah, kind of like really sophisticated movies about teenagers. I just love those movies. Indiana Jones and Back to the Future sophisticated? (laughs) I think so. They're sophisticated in the way... No, no, no. But but in in the storytelling techniques that they use and the the filming, they're very mature. They know exactly what they're doing. If you you compare like movies for teenagers then versus now, I would say, yeah, it's, it's super sophisticated. Yeah. I think they're great. I just they were would very never describe them as sophisticated. Well, I within their genre, I think it's like I think nowadays those kinds of movies are don't they don't respect the audience. They they and I I, I just think Back to the Future did anyway. My number three, so I love it. Number two, number two is a cartoon actually. Hey, Toy Story. Okay. Um. This is for, yeah. for a lot of reasons. Um, I yeah I I uh, oh man I'm, I'm speechless. I love this movie so much. I, I mean I love it too. I don't know what to say about it. To be honest, I just think it kind of stands for itself. I think a lot of it is. Um, I think with Steve Jobs did with Pixar and this being like, this was the first movie that Pixar made, and it's like mm-hmm. that's a pretty incredible first shot, you know. So I yeah. I just really respect it from that regard, and then um, from a story standpoint, I think it's just like that classic buddy movie, um, really memorable characters. You know, it was the beginning of this iconic franchise, and Buzz Lightyear had to have been one of the coolest toys ever made. So, wish I owned one. Number one. Number one. You guys don't have anything to say about Toy Story? I love Toy Story. I think Toy Story is great. I think the I think the way it's told is. This Perfect. is the Super issue with going last. You guys are both just like kind of tuckered out. <laughs> so I'm getting like an easy pass. You guys are just like, oh, yeah. That's... I challenge no, you no. on the sophistication no. of Back to the Future. I guess that's yeah. true. And I'll, I'll, yeah, he, he I'll, did. I'll, and I had, to come to, I had to come to your defense to, to fight against I'm the dragon to protect the princess that is right. I'll take, I'll take that to the grave. All right, my number one. Can you say number one? Number one. All right. Uh, Can we guess? Can we guess? Yeah, go ahead. You, I, Russ, you've had such a, uh, I, and I, I predicted this that Casey would have a little bit more of a indie like, type of list. Like, I'd have a little bit more super mainstream, and you'd have a little bit more of like a 
Like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I agree with that kind of a list. Yeah. I'm guessing your number one is... I really wanted to say... You'll never Star guess it. Wars. You'll never guess it. I don't know. I don't know then. It's uh, Wes Anderson's second film, Rushmore. I was thinking Wes Anderson, but I wasn't. What? Yeah. I know. Okay. Um, Your all-time favorite movie is Rushmore? Yeah. Rushmore. I don't know why. I just. Uh, That's crazy. I don't either. I find the, Defend yourself. I find the movie to be incredibly hilarious every time I watch it. Um when I was in school, I really, I had a lot of crushes on teachers, you know, like that was a big part of my brain. <laughs> that was a motif. So like, um, I think like that kind of began Bill Murray's renaissance. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I'm a big fan of Jason Schwartzman and, uh, I don't know. I, a lot of these things are nostalgic. I just have, I have a, I have a very profound moment of, um, watching Rushmore and it going through that cut scene where it does all of Max's clubs. That That is my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. And just like thinking like with the music combined with the, um, it was like a photograph that moved almost like just cut after cut after cut. And yeah, um, I just love Wes Anderson's style. And um, from a story standpoint, I think after Rushmore, maybe after Royal Tenenbaums, Wes Anderson's characters began to be really hard for me to relate to those felt like his most relatable characters in that movie from a like wealth standpoint. And just like, uh, I just got max. I don't know. And whenever that movie's on, I will watch it and die laughing. So I think you made a good point about, uh, Bill Murray's Renaissance. I've never thought about that before, but yeah, that was the start of that. So I think, I think there's a, a debt there for sure. But, um, yeah, it's like I think it's a very kind of pretentious choice, and I hate telling people because they're like, <laughs> "No one's heard of this movie." You know what I mean? Like, no one's heard of Rushmore. Not really. Not most normal people haven't. I think like no. the three of us have, and maybe you know people that listen to this nonsense. But yeah, um, you know, my mom isn't gonna. She knows Back to the Future, but she's not gonna know. I think you're right. I think you have to be somewhat of a film buff to know Rushmore. Maybe. My one of my dad's favorite movies is Bottle Rocket, partially because he saw it like he saw it like in some hotel once before it went mainstream. So he loves telling people he knew about Wes Anderson before he went mainstream. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't seen Bottle Rocket. Is it? Is it had that aesthetic? Uh, it's it's very it's a, primitive. Like he's yeah. he's on the he's figuring it out, but he's not there yet. I should watch. I it. will. I'll say though. I think Bottle Rocket is ten times as funny as Rushmore. Oh, interesting. I I need to rewatch yeah. it. That'd be. I just got bored I, watching Rush, Rushmore in high school. Yeah, I'm getting a little bored just talking about Rushmore. <laughs> 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 All right, everyone. So that's our top ten list. Hopefully, that was a good way for you to get to know us as your co-hosts. Um, one thing I thought that we could do every week, kind of to, to end the show on a, a high note. This is, after all, the Film Lovers Podcast, right? So, what if we each shared something that we love? happening right now in in film or in tv or in in hollywood or wherever um i know there's not a lot to love right now going on in hollywood but um let's let's look for the the bright spots going on so casey what's something you love well it's not something that's going on in hollywood right now but a couple nights ago my wife was gone i had an evening to watch a movie i was considering a few different films um I'm in, I was interested in 13 Hours because it's about Benghazi, but it's directed by Michael Bay. It had poor reviews, so I decided to go with tw- 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh. I love that one. And I loved it. 
Yeah, I loved it. Um, I felt like Cloverfield was a little overrated. I liked it, but I don't. I didn't like it as much as everyone else did. But t- I loved Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. I love everything John Goodman does mm-hmm. for one thing. Um, but I loved how it was telling two different stories. It was telling the kidnapping story, the captivity story. Um, but then you f- you find out later on that it's also ta- telling a story about aliens. Um, they mention it in the, st- in the regular story, in the kidnapping story, but you think he's just a crazy person. right? And um, I know that you already know it's part of the Cloverfield franchise, but I actually was like starting to second guess it. Like, is this really about aliens? Like, was I wrong? Was I misremembering that it's like connected to Cloverfield? Right. But then at the end, yes, it was. It's a it's a story about aliens too. So I loved how it was doing both things. Spoiler alert: It's about aliens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is sort of like a Shyamalani kind of twist at the end. Yeah. Uh, don't bring up M Night. Come on, let's keep him out of this podcast. Hey, okay, hey, I get to talk no, about my positive thing. We might I can bring to do up a whole split. segment on M Night Shyamalan. We need to do a whole episode on M Night Shyamalan. I have very complicated Shyamalan feelings about M Night. All right. Um, one thing about John Goodman, I think he did such a good job of building trust. <laughs> With the characters, right? But then I felt like I, I began to trust him. And then they find that photograph. And it's like, oh, my gosh, this guy is evil. Mm-hmm. And I, I just found that to be super, uh, super powerful. Yeah. No, the entire movie is based around building that sort of paranoia and second guessing like in the audience. Yeah. Like as well as the characters where you're not even sure what to believe until the final moments of the movie, basically. All right. Let me go second because I have a hard time going last. Um, something that I love this week is Keanu Reeves, actually. Mm. No way. Yeah, Keanu Reeves. You wouldn't believe it. I'm in the middle of watching John Wick 2 um, because I fell asleep. Uh, I, you know, I started it kind of late. But um, this guy is like the quintessential action star in my mind. He does all of his own stunts, all of his own fighting. He's not like the the best actor, but when it comes to like fighting... And movies like that, like John Wick, uh, The Matrix, um, you know, House. Bill and Head. Yeah, what was the one with the um, with Sandra Bullock where he like can mail a letter to the future? The Beach House. Yeah, there's a ton of good fight scenes in The Beach House. <laughs> um, but I, I just think like he, he just like keeps he keeps doing it somehow. Um, point blank. So yeah, Keanu Reeves, I love you, man. I, I really respect your fighting in John Wick Chapter 2. Your driving is good, too. Can't wait <laughs> to see how this movie ends. I your, hope Your acting leaves much to, desire, to be desired. I, I think his acting is... It is, works for this character. Yeah, it's not... Have, as, you, have you seen it, Casey? Huh? The John the John Wick movies? Um, Are you asking me what I think about the John Wick movies? I, I was asking if you've even seen them. I saw the first one. I was kind of disappointed, to be honest. It was kind of built up for me. I wasn't a big fan. I love that shootout in the in the club is a beautifully done. I think piece we of I think we just need to recall Casey's top ten list to realize that he's he's not the right kind of person for John. Wick. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. That's good though. We've got variety here. Yeah, we got. I our... think I think John Wick two is like like it doesn't have a moment that's quite as high on my list as that the circle club scene. But overall, that movie is just so much more yeah. impressive, like all across the board. All right, David, what's something you love this week? I can we talk about television? Is that cheating? Yeah, no, please. Okay, because I really got into American Gods this week. Oh, okay. 
And I, every time I ask people, I'm like, what's like, everyone's like, oh, American Gods, you got to watch this show or read the book. And I'm like, what's it about? And they're like, oh, a mere mortal could not explain the plot of American Gods. And I'm oh, like, I what is totally up with this? Yeah, let's have Casey explain that. it in one sentence. Go ahead, Casey. I, no, I, I've, yeah. It's no, let's have Casey do it. Casey. It's about a war between gods, the, the gods of the old world and the, the new American gods. And so you have um, Greek, Egyptian, Nordic gods who have been brought into the, um, into to America by people who believed in them, and now they're battling the new American gods, which is like the internet, television, yeah, yeah, media, globalism, like global yeah. corporation gods. So, David, the, what do you what do you love about American gods? Oh, it's like there's a lot of noise going on outside my window. Okay, um, well, I I love on American gods. First of all, it's the weirdest cast, like. Orlando Jones and Crispin Glover are in it, and like and and other people like you never would expect uh, Kristen Chenoweth, and they give such incredible like performances when they're on, that I like never would have seen coming, but also like I love thematically like the idea that these like they're the gods of their different people from their cultures, yeah, but like they have their own stories of like how they came to America with their people and how their stories are reflecting the stories of of their cultures. And how their death is representative of sort of the death of these cultures in America as they're all becoming assimilated and things like this. And then, and the effects, like the visuals are so beautiful and the sound design is incredible in this stuff. There is always something going on that is just so unique. And I Like on every level, my biggest problem is the pacing. Yeah, um, no, I, I, I would agree with that. I got yeah. like, um, I had a free uh, subscription to Stars, and then... I got four episodes in and then it ended. So, but I actually, I read the book and Casey's, I think reading it, right? I'm halfway through it. So it, um, I'm not surprised that you said the pacing. I haven't seen the show, but the pacing's an issue in the book as well. So I wouldn't be surprised that the, is it, is rusted that is the problem with pacing in the show? Is it reflective of the pacing in the book? Cause it's a pretty slow paced plot development. Yeah. I mean, I found it better in the book. I think I think the episodes are just they felt boring at times to me. But um, all right, guys, that's the uh, end of the episode. What What do you think? Pr- pretty good. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, me too. I, I, I learned a lot about you guys. Hilarious. Yeah, I think it might be the best podcast episode I've heard yet. I feel I feel like I've been stripped raw, and uh, it was painful, but I think ultimately beneficial. Well, that's yeah. your fault, David. Ira Glass makes this seem a lot harder than it is. So, all right, everyone. Well, once again, this was the Film Lovers Podcast. I am your co host, Russell Dietrich. Casey Summers. No, Casey. <laughs> I'm Casey has to say, I'm Casey Summers. <laughs> I'm Casey no, Summers. No, let's just start over. Start over. Oh, gosh. I can, I can cut anywhere. All right, everyone. Uh, once again, this was the Film Lovers Podcast. We really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, I'm Russell Dietrich. I'm Casey Summers. No, I'm Casey Summers. No, I'm Casey Summers. And I'm David Anderson. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Film Lovers Podcast. Feel the love and to find out more information, please visit us online at filmloverspodcast.com.
the two raptors, right? You sure the third one's contained? Yes. Unless they figure out how to open doors. 